I love this time of year because we're all thinking about goals and priorities and what we want. But have you added take a vacation to the list? Because you should. And right now is the perfect time to plan your trip. And all you need is one website. Say hello to Expedia. One-stop shop for killer vacation planning. Expedia literally has every tool and everything you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a one key member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. The Mel Robbins Podcast is proudly sponsored by Amica Insurance, our exclusive insurance partner. Amica Insurance is all about empathy. They know that your auto, home, and life insurance are more than just policies. Home insurance is about protecting the life you've built. Auto insurance is there to protect you on the road ahead. That's why Amica takes a consultative approach to help protect what matters most to you. They're a customer-owned insurance company that puts your needs first, and their representatives are available 24-7 for claim-related matters. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. Hey, it's your friend Mel, and welcome to the Mel Robbins Podcast. We're going to do something a little bit different, and I have a feeling it's going to become a favorite of yours and mine. And what are we doing today? Well, we're going to answer your questions rapid fire. See, my team and friends and colleagues here are like, knock, 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 Mel Robbins. Do you know how many questions have been backed up in the inbox? We need to take out a storage unit to store all of the questions that people have from deep, serious, light, funny, personal, too much information. So here's how we're going to do this. My friend and colleague who you've heard on this podcast, give it up for Amy McGlynn. Hi, everybody. Woo! Okay, Amy has some of the, I don't know, 900 pages of questions that you guys have submitted. And they range from advice to curiosities about me. I have no idea what she's going to ask me. What are we going to call this type of episode? A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything with Mel Robbins. And your burning questions answered, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Something. Exactly. Okay. We're going to jump right in. Anything goes. Everything's on the table. And don't fucking blame me because you asked me. There you go. All right. Okay. First question is from Jeannie. And I'm not going to say anybody's last name because we're all on a first name basis here, Exactly. Right? Okay. Jeannie wants to know, Mel, when do I know when it's time to walk away from a friendship? When you're giving more than you're getting. And here's the thing. Friendships are a give and take. And I think it's very important when you have a friendship that if your friend is going through a hard time, that you are there for your friend, that you understand that they are not capable of pouring back into you the way that you may need them to. And part of friendship is showing up in hard times. And so when I say that you know when a friendship is no longer worth it, when it's been a sustained feeling of you not getting back what you're putting in, it's no longer that somebody is going through postpartum depression or they're going through a divorce or a breakup or they're recovering from an illness and your role in the friendship in this moment is to be the strong one, to be the one checking in. It's a situation where it's just sustained. You're the one always making the effort. 
You're the one that is always asking about them. You're the one that is always making the plans. You're the one that is always reaching out, and you are not seeing that reciprocated. And the thing about friendship that we don't think about is not everybody's supposed to be in your life forever. And I don't know where we all got this idea that you have to be lifelong friends with everybody. You're not going to be because friendship is about energy exchange. It's about a vibe. It's about you and this person being in a place in your lives where you are able to kind of bring out the best in one another. You're able to support one another. You can laugh together. And sometimes those friendships are because of circumstance. It's because of where you live or where you work or who your kids are friends with or who your partner is friends with. And that's how you came to be. And I talked about this with my daughter a lot about a relationship that ended, that sometimes your friendships or your relationships make a lot of sense when you share a container of college or a job or being of a certain relationship status or living in a certain place. And what you'll find in life is when the container disappears, oftentimes the binds that kept you in the friendship disappear as well. And that's normal. And it means you are meant to pour your energy into other friendships. And so you will know when a friendship is no longer worth investing in because you have been feeling this way for a while and you have checked in with said person and there is not something devastating or difficult going on with them such that they need your support. And here's the other thing. If you have a friend that's been down for a long ass time and you have been their support system and over the course of the years, you're not getting anything back or very little back, it's okay to pull back. It's okay to spend less energy. You're not abandoning them entirely, but nobody said that your life had to be about pouring into other people and expecting nothing in return. You get to spend your time and energy on relationships that lift you up, that fulfill you, and there's nothing selfish about it. In fact, I think it is life-sustaining when mm. you do that. Absolutely. So you said you could pull back. What does that look like? Like you don't answer their calls or their texts, or what do you think that looks like um, for Jeannie? I think that that could look like only reaching out once Every two weeks instead of once a week. Mm -hmm. It means not answering their texts the moment that they text you. It means not feeling obligated to invite them to the party that they're throwing. Mm -hmm. Like stop and think about, well, what are you getting in return for your effort? Mm. Because there is a reciprocal nature to friendships. Friendships are not one way. And what you often find in a relationship is when you stop putting in the effort, the relationship completely disappears. And what you come to realize is, holy shit, this actually wasn't a friendship. This was me chasing something. And this was me thinking that the relationship was something more than what this person thought it was. And the same is true in romantic relationships, that a lot of times when you let the person 
reveal who they really are. You stop chasing them. You realize, oh, I was just in a relationship with the possibility and the potential of who this person and what this could be. And the second I stopped living in a fantasy and I started pulling back the chase and I just started seeing how this person showed up, I realized, oh, shit. I've been in a fantasy land in this relationship for a long time pretending that it was something else. And that's a painful moment, but I'd rather you do that on your own than have somebody rip out the rug from underneath you because you were too scared or too stupid or too blind by your own fantasy or chasing or insecurity that you didn't wake up and drop the reins and realize you're the one putting in all the effort. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And here's the other thing. Everybody's busy. Like, I also feel like I've got a hundred people or more that I think are really awesome that I never see, that I don't have time to text. And guess what? They don't have time to text me either. And I feel like life has gotten so busy and people move a lot in modern life. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was when our parents or grandparents were around where everybody stayed in the same state or county. And so... I also think you got to upgrade your definition of friendship in general to not have to mean that you have to be in constant contact with people. Some of my favorite people in the entire fucking world live the furthest away from me. I almost never see them. We don't text back and forth. We did not raise our kids together. And yet, if they needed me, I would be on a plane. Every time they call or they text once a year, whatever, I smile. And so also don't grip this friendship thing so tight because I think you have a lot more friends than you realize. You may not be spending time with them. And instead, you're pouring energy into people who are not giving it back to you. And that's when you got to pull in the let them theory. Just like stop chasing everybody. Stop pouring into uh, things that don't give you energy back. And then when you stop doing it, and you let the other person show up or not, now you know what you're dealing with. Awesome. Love that. Upgrade your friendship expectations. Next question from Natasha. And she says, Mel, how do I make decisions without all of the overthinking that goes along with it? I'm going to give you a simple tool. Great. Use objectification and literally take somebody that you respect and ask yourself, what would so-and-so do? Love that. That's it. That's it. And here's what you're going to notice. If you were to say, well, what would Mel Robbins do? You can borrow confidence. You can borrow decisiveness from other people. You know I am a very decisive person. If you feel a little like, if you know what I would do, here's the way I want you to think about that. That, ooh. Like insecurity, like, yes, I don't want to do that's that. That's just fear. That's just fear. Makes sense. Because you're picking a person that you respect or you're picking a person who has what you want. And so when you ask yourself, what would so-and-so do? What would The Rock do in this situation? What would uh, my mentor do in this situation? If you get a little bristle when you get the answer, that's just your fear. Five, four, three, two, one. Boom. Go. I love that. So pick pick your person. Yep. Five, four, three, two, one. Boom. Boom, go. And then all the overthinking, Natasha, out the window. All right, Neely says, how do you negotiate a salary as a woman with a male boss? Oh, you prove what you want. Most of us do not do our homework 
And the homework that you're doing is typically the wrong homework. So typically what people do when they go in to negotiate some sort of salary increase is that you do a comparison of the job title in the area that you live. But that's not necessarily relevant to your employer. What's more relevant to your employer is you proving to your employer the amount of things and the contribution that you're making specifically to the bottom line and to the things that matter. Because if you can walk in armed with all the things that you're doing that impact the bottom line, with the problems that you've solved, what you've actually shown me is that you're invaluable. And what somebody else is paying somebody else with your title at another company is completely irrelevant to me as your boss. Because a lot of bosses feel not conflicted, but almost like, okay, if you want to go make that, go work there. Show me that you've earned that. And if you really start to pay attention and keep track of all the contributions you're making and the problems that you're solving and how that impacts the bottom line, now you're proving value. And you might be even worth more than what that salary analysis shows you. Nice. Awesome. Next question. What were your dreams, Mel, as a young girl? Um, I really looked up to my dad, and he was a doctor, and I had a dream of being a doctor, and I'm going to, like, laugh when I say this, but I thought, okay, I'm going to be a doctor and cure cancer. That was my dream. Wow. I didn't do that, okay? <laughs> yeah. You didn't do that yet? No. No. no well, I'm not planning on it. Yeah. It doesn't call to me anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it was more of an admiration than a dream of my own. Yeah. Because if I were really to dig deep, I think what I really wanted to do was be a performer. Wow. Like, I think it was the seeing artists on stage singing and acting and plays and that kind of stuff really brought me alive. Even if you went into church and there was a sermon that really stirred something in you, Mm. that's really, if I dig deep, um, I wanted to do something like that, but I didn't know what that meant. So I would just say, I really want to be a doctor. Yeah. And all it took was freshman intro to, I think it was either biology or chemistry class. And I'm like, this ain't for me. No, no, thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. So it evolved from being a doctor to a performer. And then when did you know, like, this is what I want to do with my life? Oh, not that. No, I I literally, um, I became a history and a film major. And I got a, they, they called it a certificate. I got a certificate in women's studies. So I was like a double major in American history and filmmaking. And I got a certificate in women's studies. And the other big thing that I did is I was a, um, I was a volunteer crisis intervention counselor. Uh, I would volunteer a couple times a month taking uh, calls on a domestic violence hotline. Mm. Wow. Nice, Mel. Okay, so Trini says, hey, Mel, no question. I just wanted to let you know that you're my North Star. I love you, Mel. Oh, I love you, Trinity. All right. I love this. But we got to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. And we'll be right back. Holy cow, I had a scare in the shower the other day. And no, it was not from catching a glimpse of myself in the mirror. After rinsing my shampoo out, there was a chunk of hair sitting on the drain. It was like a freaking spider. I mean, holy cow. That was a sign that it was time to start my hair growth journey. And the only product that I trust to get the results that I need is Vegamore. 
Vegamore is a holistic approach to hair wellness that incorporates clinically tested plant-based ingredients that work in tandem to promote healthy, beautiful hair naturally without any chemicals. With a monthly subscription of Grow Hair Serum, Vegamore makes it easy to stay consistent and get the luscious hair you are dreaming of and nothing gross on your drain. Vegamore is so good that they sell one bottle of Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on the website. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mel and use code mel at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mel, code mel, to save 20% off your first order. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and you can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Have you ever heard about the Your Garage feature on cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to Your Garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical, real-time, and projected value. And then when it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey, it's Mel, and I am taking your questions rapid fire today. Ask me anything. Just don't bitch at me because you don't like the answer. All right, Amy, what's up next? Okay, so next question. How do you get people to go to therapy but refuse to say that they need it? So how do you get people to go to therapy when you know they need it and they refuse? Well, um, you can't make anybody do anything. But you can make it clear what your boundaries are. If somebody doesn't think they, quote, need therapy, then... The first issue is that they don't understand what therapy's for because everybody needs therapy in their life. Now, let me unpack that sentence. You don't need therapy. You need therapy in your life. What does that mean? Therapy is when you are engaged in a conversation about your life, about your thoughts, about your habits, about your hopes and dreams and your relationships and the obstacles and challenges that you're facing, that you're in a conversation about those things intentionally and you're doing it with a person that is objective, meaning they're not a friend and they're not a family member, and The most powerful thing about the relationship is that because they're objective and because they have some level of training, you're not responsible for their feelings. So this is the one person in your life. You don't have to worry about what they think or about what their feelings are, about what you're discussing. You have another human being that is trained to listen to you and help you untangle the thoughts and the behaviors and the patterns and the things in your life that you want less of or that are making you unhappy and to amplify the things that are 
going well. And so I look at therapy as a luxury. I think it's a privilege. And I believe it is something that every human being on the planet deserves. Just like when you go to an elementary school or middle school or high school and there's a school counselor. That is a resource that is there in order to help you be successful. And that's what I see about therapy. And so I would start to talk about therapy very differently because when you tell somebody they need to go to therapy, you're basically saying you're fucked up and you need to do something about it. And so that's confronting. Who wants to go to therapy when you feel like it must mean something's wrong with you? Um, So to me, therapy is an incredible gift you give to yourself if you can afford it, if you have access to it. That's one thing. Second thing is that if somebody understood that a therapist or the right therapist could help them achieve goals and be more successful and happy in life, and you frame it around the change and the opportunity, that's more enticing, isn't it? Wouldn't you love to go to talk to somebody if you knew that it would make you feel better, if you knew it would make you feel more motivated and capable and courageous and confident? Wouldn't you love to talk to somebody who could help you strategize about how to deal with things at work, how to diffuse situations with your family? That's what you're doing there. It's not kind of that that caricature that we all have in our minds where you're laying on a couch staring at a ceiling and somebody is taking notes and looking in a different direction as you blob on and on and on about the sob story that's your life. That is not what my therapy sessions are like, and that's not what therapy has to be. And so I think you could frame it differently. Now, one other thing. You tee it up like that, and then you got to use the let them theory again. Let them decide whether they're going or not. Because you can't force somebody, you can't shame somebody, you can't drag them. If you're a parent, of course, you have agency over your kids and you should uh, empower your kids to talk to a therapist if you think it would help. But I'm talking adult to adult. That said, you got to let them make a decision, but then you've got to let yourself express what you need. It is 1,000% your responsibility to say to somebody, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you have depression. I can't handle this on my own. It is killing me to watch you struggle. And I need you to see a therapist. And I've found one. And I have made an appointment for you. It is your call if you're going to go or not. I've done the work. But I am asking you because I am so worried about you, to go see this person and talk to them and get some support. If they say no, now you can express a boundary. I can't be in this relationship if you're not going to get help for your depression. I will not stay married to you if you do not get help for your addiction. I will have to end this if you cannot be sober. And if you refuse to get help, I am very scared that you're not going to be successful. And I would love for you to be successful. How you go about it is yours. But if you're not going to address this, then I'm not going to stay. And that's on you. That's not manipulation. 
That's clear communication. See, what most of us do is we badger somebody to go to therapy, right? And then we get pissed off when they don't go or they go once and then they bark about the therapist. And then you know what we do? We never express a boundary. We just build up resentment. And then that resentment builds within us and we don't express it. It comes out in like barking and this and that and fighting and no longer having sex with the person and just being kind of angry and frustrated when this whole thing could have been fixed by you being a clear communicator. And sometimes a clear communicator means if you don't do X, then I'm not going to be in this relationship. That's what a boundary is. It's a clear line in the sand. There isn't a lot of gray in this area because most relationships die on the vine because of built-up resentment. And the reason why resentments build up is because you're not fucking talking about the things you feel about. Absolutely. Did I go off track there? I, don't I think a lot of people are going to have stern conversations with their partners tonight after hearing that. I love that. And, you know, look, you don't have to be like, I'm out of here after 17 years of marriage because people don't pivot on a dime. But you can say, I'm worried about this. I'm giving you three months to deal with it. I want you to go to therapy. I've I've done the research. Here is the person. I am asking that you do. I did this with Chris. He was struggling with major depression for, I mean, turns out like seven years. Thank God he had healthy habits or the guy probably would have died from it. And by healthy habits, I meant waking up every morning, meditating every morning, going for a walk in the woods every morning, doing work that made him feel uh, like he was doing something meaningful, writing in his journal every single day, talking to a therapist. But he did not want to face a depression diagnosis, and he felt that if he took medication, it would be weak. And I was concerned that all of the fucking meditating was making the depression worse because he was isolated. And there is new research out that shows that too much meditation can make depression worse because you are sitting in your thoughts. And it was, in my opinion, making it worse for Chris. I had to finally, after two years of watching him get worse and worse, go, look, here's my boundary. Because what you're doing is not working. You need to go on the medication that the psychopharmacologist and our marriage counselor have both recommended, and you need to take it for a fucking year. And if you can't do that, this marriage won't work. Because I can't sit here and watch you get worse and have you argue against the thing that the professionals are telling you to do. And he took the medication. And do I feel like I won? No, I feel like I expressed a boundary and that freed me of any resentment and desire to control him. And it made me feel safe. And that medication gave him a ladder to climb out of the mental hole. And after a year, he went off it. And he's been great. And in the words of our therapist, the medication got him out of that spiral, which allowed the therapy we were doing to work. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I really like dropped a bomb on that answer right there. So let me take a quick pause. You take a quick pause. Collect yourself. And do not go anywhere because we've got a pile of your questions coming up. And the next one could be yours. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
As long as you're on vacation, you're happy, right? But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes for a quick getaway. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and don't you dare do what the old Mel Robbins used to do, which is put off getting your mother a gift until the very last minute, and then you're scrambling, and you're calling the flower shop the day of. You know, you've done it, so have I. We're not doing that this year. You want to know why? Your mom deserves better. In fact, she deserves the best. That's why I want you to check out Cozy Earth. They're one of my favorite sponsors of the Mel Robbins podcast because they make the single best sheets on the frickin' planet. I am talking soft, moisture wicking. If your mom's going through hot flashes like I am, Cozy Earth. If your mom loves snuggly soft sheets, Cozy Earth. This Mother's Day, treat your mother to the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health. She deserves it. Don't forget to use promo code MELROBINS at checkout for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. And after placing your order, select podcast in the survey and select the Mel Robbins podcast in the drop-down menu that follows. Let's frickin' go, because your mom rocks. Welcome back. It's your friend Mel. I'm here with Amy. We are going rapid fire, boom, 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 through your questions. We have an avalanche of them, and we are swimming upstream. So, Amy, hit me with the next one. Okay, next question from Sean. Mel, how do you initiate being vulnerable without word vomiting? So I guess Sean gets a little nervous and then tries to be vulnerable and then just spills all the beans. What's really cute about Sean's question (laughs) is that Sean's trying to control being vulnerable. And Sean, as a fellow word vomiter, word vomiting is your form of vulnerability. Awesome. Okay, here we go from uh, Deanna. She's asking you, Mel, what's your favorite swear word? Swear word? Swear word. Probably the F-bomb, I would think. (laughs) I mean, like, as in, like, just a swear word? Yes. That's probably my favorite swear word. Like your all-time favorite thing to say. That's definitely the OG all-time favorite, felt the naughtiest when you were a little kid, (laughs) which meant I had the (laughs) most excited attachment to it. And, um, but, you know, I have like kind of swear word sort of trash insults per season. You have one too. What's your, you've been saying it recently, I'm going to steal from you. What is your swear insult? For the season, Amy McGlynn. For for the season of fall, yes. my swear word is dick bag. <laughs> Just I'm really enjoying saying that. What, what it, I, I laugh every time you say it because you do this thing where you you have you do the Amy, you need to understand, is a stand-up comedian. Like she does stand-up. You really do. You perform stand-up. I I do, yes. And so sometimes I feel when I'm working with you that you'll be having a conversation with yourself about something that will happen, and you'll go, you dickbag. And I'm like, that is the greatest 
Sand salt. I like um, Ducho. I don't know. that That's mine right now, right. Ducho. Yes. Right. Well, I like... It sounds French. It Duchot. does. Ducho. If you say it really fast, it could be a last name, but you really know that <laughs> it's your your private, just favorite swear word. For, yes. for autumn. Just yes, for, right for autumn. Yes, for autumn. Yes, for autumn. Okay. This listener says, Mel, you got to get me out of what I feel is a midlife crisis. What the hell happens after 40? Help! Everything happens <laughs> after 40. <laughs> Being older, getting the insecure, comparison, confusing 20s out of the way, getting the ladder climbing, status chasing, keeping up with the Joneses, 30s out of the way. When you start sliding into your 40s, you are wiser, you give less shits, you have more experience, you have moved through relationships, you have fucked up, you have failed, you have succeeded, you have regrets, you have so much time left, you, I mean, it's the best. I would not go back in time for fucking anything. You know how everybody says, oh, college, best four years of your life. No, they're not. They're the next four years of your life. I just love being the age that I am, which is 54. I actually like my 50s better than my 40s. And so here's the thing. It's not a midlife crisis. You have a midlife opportunity. You have a midlife freaking like it's and I hate calling it a do over because you're not doing anything over. You're building from experience like you could pivot from anywhere from here. Think about the network that you have that you didn't have in your 20s. Think about how much more you know about life or relationships or any of it than you did in your 30s. Think about how much technology is advanced and how you could leverage all of that skill set and that wisdom and that bigger network that you have and all of the failures that you've had and utilize technology if you're willing to be curious enough to create something. Are you kidding me? We need to have a revolution, a wake-up moment on this planet that the best years of your life are as you get older. Awesome. I'm not buying into it. Don't no. buy into this midlife crisis bullshit. No. And if you're going to have that moment, let it fuel you. If you're that unhappy with what happened in the first part of your life and you're panic stricken that you're feeling halfway through this road trip we call life, fucking do something about it. I'm not going to talk you out of having a midlife crisis. I'm going to ask you, all right, so... You're a little worried about where you are, where you're going. Fucking do something about it. Love it. All right. From Betsy. She says, how do I get my husband to get hearing aids? <laughs> <laughs> he acts like his deafness is my imagination. you got to help Betsy out. I think Betsy, there's, there's a couple things you could do. Number one, you could um, have some fun with it, right? <laughs> Yeah, you could. You could plan a weekend away where you're going to go do something that you love to do. Like, for example, my my dad wears hearing aids now, and my parents love to go up to the casino in central Michigan and go gambling, like, for an afternoon. That's what they will do on an afternoon. They'll drive up to the casino. My mom will play the slots. My dad will play a couple hands of blackjack. They'll go out for a nice lunch, and they come home. And so you could plan something that is like meant to be like that. And then on the way home, you're like, oh, and I have another surprise. And then you pull into an appointment 
And he'll be kicking and screaming, but whatever. The second thing that you could do is you could spend an entire day talking without making a sound. Like literally just just mouth the words. So I'm going to pretend I'm mouthing the words. Mouthing the words right now to you. And so your mouth is moving. And what he'll do is he'll be like, what are you saying? And then you'll be like, but I'm talking. You know, like, and, and it, but, and then he'll start to go, I can't hear you. It's kind of like a, a, like a cruel thing to do, but you're making a point and it might make him think that's sort of a manipulative, funny, like, I don't know what your relationship Sometimes is like. Sometimes you have to bring humor into yes. these things though, you know, but here's what I want you to really get. There's a deeper issue that's likely going on. It's got to be really scary when you start to lose your hearing. I mean, I am 55, I'm going to be 55, and my eyesight is terrible, and it makes me feel frail, and it makes me feel old, and it makes me feel vulnerable. And for you know, a, a man of that generation in particular, admitting that your hearing is going is like admitting that you're in the final leg of the race called life. And so there might be fear there. There might be pride there. There might be, you know, something he's not even in touch with. Because again, this is a generation of um, human beings that were not taught how to talk about their deeper feelings. And so I'm sort of making light of it and kind of thinking about how, if you've been married that long, can you have fun and kind of trick somebody into it? How can you make your point, right, that this is an issue? And certainly by not talking out loud and and pantomiming your sentences, you're making your point. But I would imagine if you were to say, you know, are you nervous or does it make you feel like weak to admit that you have to do this? Because I think that's what's actually going on. And the other factor might be, is he the first of his friends? You know, in your friend group, does everybody else have hearing aids? Is he the first one? Like all these things really act like hurdles emotionally inside of us that make us less than enthusiastic to address things, especially as we age. Mm, it's true. And it's kind of like the therapy question, too, in that, you know, you want to sell it to them and be like, hey, I'd love to enjoy these next few years with you. Oh. You know? Yeah. And it could be really fun if we, like, went to a movie and you weren't asking me what everybody's <laughs> saying all the time, right? Yeah. I no, think. I, well, I think there's, th this is a really big point. And I think about this a lot in relationships, that there's so much that's going on beneath the surface that we're not connecting with each other on. And if you don't connect with each other at the deeper thing, then, of course, you're now frustrated with him because that's what rises to the surface. And look, he may be a stubborn asshole 
who doesn't want to be told what to do. And if you say up, he says down. If you say left, he says right. And so you might be dealing with that dynamic. I don't know, but I suspect it's something that needs a little compassion, a little humor, and it's an opportunity to connect over things that make him feel kind of insecure. I think you hit it on the head there, Mel. I freaking love this. Do you guys love this? I love this. I love hearing from you. And we're going to keep on doing this. So keep on submitting your questions and keep on moving on and moving forward with your life. And know that your friend Mel Robbins is always here to give you the kick in the ass, the truth you didn't want to hear, and the advice that I hope you needed. Alrighty. I love you. I believe in you. And I believe in your ability to create a better life. And that's why I'm here every Monday and every Thursday. And that's why I'm going to be here again in a few days to keep cheering for you because I love you. Talk to you soon. All right. Do you want me to start this? <sighs> All right. Welcome to the Mel Robbins. Po- Wait, no, that's not how I do this. <laughs> <sighs> I can do it all. Okay, you're welcome. I want to unpack this a little bit while my dog is barking in the background. Um, so Jesse's going to have to let us. Oh, see, there's 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 Yolo barking. UPS must be here. Uh, I think so. We'll wait. No one's here. Oh, do you want to bring him up here, Yolo? Is he not barking anymore? Yeah. Okay. What's another one? Um, oh, you want to do it? Yeah. Here, aim with my beautiful blouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're amazing. That was awesome. Yep, that was a lot of fun. Oh, and one more thing. And no, this is not a blooper. <laughs> this is the legal language. You know what the lawyers write and what I need to read to you. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm just your friend. I am not a licensed therapist, and this podcast is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. Got it? Good. I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill? For me? That's right. The Little Pink Pill. And it's called Addy. A-D-D-Y-I. Or Flibanserin. Learn more about The Little Pink Pill at addyi.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including boxed warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash pi. Or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addy, the FDA-approved Little Pink Pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addy is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. If your insurance doesn't cover Addy, there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addy. Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Where's my business owners? I need you to listen up. I got a free resource for you that will help you grow your business faster and stronger, and it will also help you find the best team and build an incredible culture. 
What is this free thing? It's a free ebook from Insperity, the leading HR provider. You know those guys. They're a sponsor of the show. Well, the ebook is called The Future of Business is Culture, and it will walk you through how you can create an incredible culture that drives growth. Visit Insperity.com to see how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference. 